You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 124, recorded August 15th, 2021. The topic for this episode is Beneath the Endless Night, part two. I am your host for this episode, and my name is Orchid. And I am Elemist. Hello. Yo. I have some podcast info for you. We encourage feedback. It can be sent to us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can tweet at me at hey, it's Orchid. You can tweet at Elemist at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can send us an email at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you can find the podcast, except for Spotify. Still, um, you can also find us in our Discord, uh, the Lore Hub. There is an invite to our Discord in the description for this episode. And you can also find our info on thelorenetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. And as for... We're still there. We are still there. Still. Um, as for this week at Guardians of Lore, the Twoggle, we have so much to go over because so many things happened this week. We finally got the epilogue. Um, so the end of the season finally happened. Well, the last part of the story finally happened. So. Yep. Hooray! Um, when the epilogue happened, did you teabag um, Lakshmi. Uh, Lakshmi too when you ran in? I didn't even find her body. Did you notice her? No. The first time? I, I didn't even notice her. I mean, she is like rather unremarkable when you run in the first time because she's just on the ground right in front of you. Gotcha. Her dead body is just right there. Because the first time I did it, I didn't notice her. And then I ran in with a bunch of people and everyone's just like teabagging her and like throwing shapes and stuff. So of course they are. If people. Yeah. So if you um, I've done override so many times now and it's the same every time you run in now, you still get the same dialogue and the same story every time you do it. So if you run in now, because um, I think you're going to get the same one until the end of the season. Um, yeah you will uh, you'll see her body there and yeah so i think you'll be able like i only did that thing once and just to to get the epilogue done out of the way Mm -hmm. i didn't stay around to look for easter eggs or anything yeah so she's there um she's there on the ground right as you walk in right in the in the corridor in that room which used to be one of the rooms that you would um that you'd fight one of the the guys for the battery, I think. Yeah. During the raid. I think you're right. The battery guys. Mm-hmm. But um there's that there's an Easter egg where you can find um you can find a harpy that blinks um in Morse code apparently, uh assistant. And there are theories on this from people and the theory is that um, it is uh, Asher Mir trying to, like, talk at you. Well, because, like... And that's the, what it... That's because he calls you assistant. Well, and, and even more than that, like, 
looking back at the stochastic variable uh, mm-hmm. lore tab, there were a few different prophecy mentions of Asher being at that final fight. Really? Um, number four, the Elixir Quarter, a crackling portal, Asher speaks. Fallen being attacked, dead orbit overhead, Saint-14 besieged, future war cult surrenders. And then number six, the Elixir Quarter, a crackling portal, snipers fire down, blood runs in the gutter, an ether tank explodes, the endless night, Asher speaks, those future war cult traitors. I buy it. So my thing is, it said all it says is Asher speaks. Mm-hmm. It could be that he's using the harpy as a conduit. Yeah, I don't think he's the harpy, but I do think he's using it. Yeah, a, a lot of the theories that I've seen have been, or that I've I've heard from clanmates, have been that he is the harpy, and it's like no, 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 no. he's not the harpy. No, 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 no. He's Brachion. If anything, he's Brachion. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, he's Brachion. He's not the harpy. He's not a lowly harpy. How fucking dare you? He's the harpy. No. No. But yeah. So I think he he could use it as a as a viewing portal, if anything. So I think that was as kind of a cool little Easter egg. But what did you think of the battle? It was very straightforward. It, like there wasn't anything. It's override. Yeah, Yeah, there wasn't anything special about it except that I got taken. Um, Yeah. You know, I was fighting taken and Ikorazon comes like, the Vex are in the city. Are are you sure about that, bitch? Are you sure? Uh, Yeah, there's taken here. I mean, there were Vex in the beginning. Right. But yeah, it's taken. I mean, it's cool doing an override like... Where we had the Scourge of the Past raid. It's kind of cool to fight in the same arena. Yeah. It like that that was that was neat. That was cool. It's cool to fight in that same area again since it's made to be fought in. Yes. I thought that was cool. And as long as I don't think too long or too hard about it, the cutscene was cool. I thought too long and too hard about it. Since I saw it, I I have too. Yeah. Um, I thought way too long and too hard about it. Like, I have a lot of opinions on it. I I do as well, and I've been trying to to like, not necessarily piece things together, but like try and explain certain things, even though I have nothing to back it. Right. Yeah. Um, I do. I do have one thing about Ikora and her, like, there's Vex in the city. And I'm just like, bitch, you built a Vex portal in the city a year ago. Like, don't give me there's Vex in the city. You were inviting them in. Like, you built a door to their house. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you were pretty much like, hey, come in. You wanted the black. You were trying to invite, like, you were trying to build a portal to the black garden, like, into their uh, it was no i mean Don't give me it, that. it's the culty house yeah you know the offshoot for the the culty part of the, the family but like yeah they were still building a freaking portal to it yeah yeah still no don't give me that <laughs> you want you were like pretty much like just inviting them here like don't give me that just no you don't get to have that defense <laughs> 
I saw what you were doing. We all did. And we all said it was a bad idea. Right. No, you don't get that defense. You don't get to say there's effects in the city. Gasp. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, My one surprise, though, was after the battle was over. The cutscene was really cool. It was cool to see Amanda there with her chaperone. She did some work. She did some work. She slide shot getting all over the place. And so I'm convinced that the only way to use chaperone is a slide shotgun everywhere, um, which is how I use it. So and like <laughs> the one thing I want to point out, she came in with a chaperone. There's there's Mithrax with cream breaker. And then you've got oh, yeah. Saint and Zavala are using sunset weapons. Yeah. Um, also, Saint, there's no bubble to be seen. So obviously the bubble was nerfed so hard that even Saint refuses to use it. <laughs> Oof. I feel that in my soul. Uh, so where's that bubble, Saint? Huh? Um, oh, that hurt. That bubble that we saw you use, that, that eternal bubble that... That lasted like 30 minutes. Yeah, that we fought alongside you in season, what season of the Worthy? Season of Dawn. So season of Dawn. Um, so we saw that bubble last forever in that one mission that we did, which was one of the coolest missions I've ever done in Destiny. Oh, absolutely. I remember you telling me on this podcast how cool it was. You and Hyven both like popping that bubble right next to him. <laughs> Um and fighting alongside him. And and when I did that mission, it took me a good 10 minutes to realize, wait, I'm benefiting from his bubble. Why am I popping mine? I'm going to switch to something else. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I think I was using Nova Bomb or something, but I mean, <laughs> like, you just, you have, like, this... You have this infinite bubble with him. He, his bubble never disappears. Right. And then in this, you he, he has an infinite bubble and he's not using it? Why? Because, like, he could have popped it and then him and he, Mithrax could have been out front of it. Like, that would have been cool. Yeah. Use the bubble to shield the civilians. Exactly. Like, ugh. Yeah. I don't know. See see what we mean, listeners? The more we think about the cutscene, the more problems there are. <laughs> <sighs> Not just that. Ikora's obviously got two supers. Oh, yeah. She's got that new, like, Nova Warp, like, buff already. Well, and, and heck, like, she came in with a Nova Bomb and left 10 seconds later with a Nova Warp. Like, what the hell? She's obviously, like, she's got that, like, mayhem buff on. Like, <laughs> oh, well, I don't know what's going on there. Well, oh, what was it in in D one Daybreak? That was mm, it. Mm -hmm. the The Daybreak modifier was on for her specifically. Yeah. Uh huh. Just for her. <laughs> Just for her. Not only that, but um, she Nova bombed all the civilians. So the funeral that they have in the last um, we're gonna get to that. <laughs> And see, it's for all the civilians. She just know my bombs. And see, that's also where I I started like trying to explain uh, things without having actual sources to back you know back me. Uh huh. It, like I personally think it the light 
like wielding the light, it's all about intent. So she intended to save the Elixni, thus it didn't affect them in a negative way. I don't think it's that simple. I think it's a tool. Right. Also, because I just, she just, I, I just think the animation was really bad. <laughs> it just Nova bombed everybody. And, and like I said, I have I nothing to yeah. back that. It is yeah. purely my headcanon. I don't know. Um, at the very end, when you go talk to Saint, he's very excited. And um, <laughs> he's like, he's like, this is more epic than the Battle of Six Fronts. Like, we'll be talking about this for ages. And I'm like, no, you won't. This is nothing like Six Fronts, bitch. Like, <laughs> this is, no. No, I'm sorry. Did you did you were at Six Friends? This is nothing like it. No, I no, right. it wasn't. He's, he's sitting there like we'll talk about this for ages, dude. I love you. I'm gonna forget about it next week. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, Six Friends. Almas and I were talking about this before, but Six Friends was epic because it was Six Friends. It was, it's the, the name was, the descriptions written like in the name. It was six fronts of battle at the same time. Like they were being attacked on all sides. And the guardians, like Anna Bray comes out with her like golden gun. She's the girl with the golden gun. Yeah. And she like, she did, she did work. And, you know, Osiris has his reflections. So that it seemed like he was on all six fronts at once. Yeah, exactly. And Saint had his bubble, but like in Zavala is everywhere and there is everyone's doing work and it there was a lot of loss on all sides and it was it was a battle, a very, very big battle. And if you'd like to hear more about it, we did cover it in The Pigeon and the Phoenix. We did. That set of episodes is Episodes 75, 76, and 77. Yeah. So, like, the Battle of Six Friends is covered in that. Um, oh, God, that was a long time ago. Um, or or at least the Saint and Osiris perspective of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, the reason Six Fronts was epic was because it was on six sides of the city were all being attacked, and they defended it. Whereas the epilogue for this season, it was literally one portal in the Elixni quarter. And the Elixni, you can, like, I think you can low man Scourge of the Past. It's not a big area. Like, it, all they were doing was essentially low manning that. That's, that's not hard. Like, there was what, like 20 Vex? Like, we can do that by ourselves. That's not difficult. Well, and even then, like, we loaded in as a fire team of six. It match made us. I mean, not just that, but like, (laughs) okay, um, can I just say there are other guardians that it's like, we were a fire team of nine. We went in and blah, blah, blah. Can I, do you want me to repeat Savathun's song again? And, like, they took our light one by one and et cetera, et cetera. Like, right. I understand that, like, we ourselves are not normal guardians, but these are, like, the elite guardians. If they were basic bitch guardians, like, the kind of, like, the Savathun song 
fire team of nine guardians that got turned into crystals because they're dumb, I would understand if they got like ganked by Vex. But this is Zavala and Ikora in Saint 14. <laughs> like, don't give me yeah. that. These are the heroes of like destiny. They don't like one of them could have taken care of it. Literally one of them. Like it, Saint and Mithrax could have taken care of it. Oh, they yeah. didn't need the other two. And and honestly, like they didn't need Amanda there either. No, they didn't. I don't even know why Amanda would have been there at all. I don't know. Like the only thing I can think why? of is that they're showing that civilians are also helping. But why would Amanda have been there? No idea. It's so far outside of like, unless they're showing like, oh, look, Amanda's helping because she's not racist anymore. Like, is that the point? Am I looking at this too far from like a lore perspective? And so I'm missing the point of like, oh, look, everyone's getting together to protect the Elixni. Like, is that really just like the basic bitch like explanation of this? And so I'm missing the entire point. I feel like if that is the point, we got that perfectly with Saint. I, I mean, mean, Saint he, was the perfect one to help because he was the monster. And then he stood strong next to Mithrax. Exactly. Because now they're they're BFFs. Exactly. And he protected them. And so he turned from monster into like friend and protector. And that would that's the perfect story. That's all they needed. They didn't need all this extra bullshit. Like Like if they would have just left it at Saint and Mithrax, it would have been good. Yeah. But now we're starting to poke holes because there were other people there who didn't need to be there. Yeah. And it's like, all right, there was no specific reason. And them jumping in, in fact, caused a bunch of other topical issues like, you know, Ikora's Nova Bomb. I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, Ikora's Nova Bomb just is mostly just funny to me. <laughs> it's not really like poking holes in it. I just think it's funny. Oh, yeah. No, it is. But there's the whole idea of like, well, we've we've Nova bombed Elixni before and, you know, they've just been obliterated. Why didn't Elixni get obliterated from her Nova bomb, you know? So like, I uh, I don't know. It's 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 poking at issues that they don't have explanations for. I don't I just uh, I don't know. I, I like the epilogue, I guess. Um, it was entertaining. I don't know why they needed that many. It was, yeah, I shouldn't be so critical of something that is in, that is for entertainment purposes. I mean, the point is that I'm a lore person, and maybe if I didn't know the lore, I wouldn't be so critical of it. And well, and I and I, I think when did I start knowing the lore? When you joined, <laughs> when did that happen? When you joined, not one, not two, but three different Destiny podcasts. God damn it! <laughs> um. Fuck. <laughs> for me it was entertaining the big problem that i have with it is that it wasn't anything that was surprising no and for them to have kept it on lock and key for so long like i i went through it and i was like that's it i mean the one thing we didn't talk about was osiris right and we kind of tiptoed around it because, I mean, the opinion, 
my problem with the opinion is that everyone's like oh it's so sus like oh he's so sus like he obviously he's the one that did it he blah 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 like you don't know all he did is that he showed up and then he walked away that doesn't say anything and all you have is partial audio of Lakshmi talking about opening a portal. Yeah. And then saying that Osiris did it. Yeah, you can't trust her. Right. You trust you trust Lakshmi? I don't fucking think so. Right. So it's it's people grasping at straws trying to explain away why he turned away. I don't I don't know. I don't I A, I don't trust Lakshmi. B, I don't. A part of me always holds on hope that there's an explanation for it. I don't like to attribute things just straight up to like Savathun because that's just too basic of an explanation. And it just makes me so fucking disappointed. It's a cop out. It is a cop out. It has become such a cop out that from a storytelling perspective, it's a problem. It's lazy. Yeah. It's lazy storytelling. Saying, oh, Savathun did it is fucking lazy. Like, get better. Get better storytelling. I'm sorry. You've been attributing things to Savathun for seven years now. Get a better story. Get a better explanation. You can do better. And the fact that Witch Queen is finally happening so we can just bury her in the ground, like makes me happy because I'm tired of hearing about her. I'm tired of hearing her story because you're trying to be very clever about her and it's not clever. It's exhausting. Yep. <laughs> it's very exhausting. I'm team get rid of Savathun. Like at first, how they used her was very clever. Yeah. You know, the whole Dreaming City bit, that was impressive. Mm-hmm. It, I'll even throw them a bone with the whole Crown of Sorrow bit. Yeah. But it's just gotten so repetitive and so boring that it's just kind of like... This is... Everything is her. Right. And that's a problem. A part of it also is just like, yeah, it could be her. But at the same time, you you can't forget that like this is in Osiris's nature also. A part of like him doing the things that he does and like him being like Osusus or whatever you want to call him, like... This is just Osiris being, like, the selfish asshole he is. Right. Him, like, going off to just go do science or, like, him going off and not telling anybody what he's doing or going off to do research somewhere or him skulking around. Like, that's just Osiris being Osiris. I mean, hell, we saw that with him heading to Mercury right before his exile. Yeah, we saw that with him going off to get the seed. Oh, God, don't even get me started about him leaving his burb husband, going off to get the seed for the Tree of Silver Wings, not telling anybody, going to the center of the universe to go grab that shit. Like, don't even. I'm still mad about that. So, like, it's in his character to do it. Yeah, it's totally in his character to do it. And him turning away in the cutscene. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that's because he is, you know, actually been replaced by Savathun or if he's under duress or if he's literally just looking at the fight going, if I jump down there and I help them, if I get shot, I'm dead. Yeah. Like, he can't fight. Like, he'll die. It's not the same as Amanda, who's just like, woo! Like, Amanda has no fear. Like, she's a different 
breed. And and we come back to the essentially what Guardians went through in the Red War. Yeah. You know, we have forgotten what death really means in the Destiny universe. Yeah. And I say that as we as Guardians. When you're immortal, you lose sight of what death is. And he's old. He's really old. And he's seen entire lifetimes in the infinite forest. Yep. And like lived entire lifetimes in the infinite forest. Yeah. So, I mean, like he, his concept of time is like vastly skewed differently than us too. And hell, I mean, just to make things even worse, when we went into the infinite forest to go kill Panoptes, that entire mission happened in one second. What? Because as we come out, Ikora says, you just went in there. What? How many lifetimes has he lived? Right. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it gets worse when you stop and think about it. Oh my god, Osiris, <laughs> what? I can't even... What? No! <laughs> I didn't know that! What? Let me see if I... Oh, I hate that. Let me see if I can find oh, the actual quote. No. Um, oh, I fucking hate this. But like, This is the worst. Why did you have to tell me that? Oh, I'm having a crisis right now. <laughs> oh, Cyrus, you poor thing. <laughs> but like, essentially, that's, that's it, is the oh, fact that like... Oh, God. How many lifetimes did you live without Saint-14? Because you've been in the infinite forest? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck me. No. Oh, God. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find the actual quote. And if if I can, we will tack it on at the end of the uh the episode. But yeah, he's he's lived a lot of lifetimes. He's like the oldest guardian there is. Holy shit. Just because of vexy time timey wimey stuff. What? Oh my god, that like makes me cry. I hate that. Yeah, here it is. It's from the Beyond Infinity mission. We just get done with the mission. We jump through the portal. Sagiri goes, this is bad, really, really bad. We need to work together, all of us. You, me, Osiris, Ikora. If we don't stop Panoptes, you've seen what happens. And then she goes, Ikora, you there? Sagira, you just left. Where's Osiris? Oh, no. So we went through an entire mission. And if I remember correctly, it was the mission where like you're jumping up through the infinite forest and yes you're jumping up through the infinite forest you get introduced to the reflections of Osiris like you're exploring it and then you get teleported into the distant future and that's where we meet Panoptes at the lighthouse Jesus and then we leave and Ikora's like you just left oh my god so we had an entire mission in the matter of like seconds. <laughs> and Osiris has been missing I... for years. Oh my God, I hate this. <laughs> I hate this. He's seen entire lifetimes. Oh no. All, Osiris, all it why? means all it means is that he has had time to realize he misses Saint. Uh... <laughs> no. 
if this doesn't end up with the two of them happily ever after, I'm going to like throw a bitch fit. <laughs> Seriously. But anyway. So um, mad about it. Getting back on track. We don't know if essentially that was Osiris or if he's been, he in quotes, has been Savathun ever since Imlint. And even then, it brings the validity of Imlint into question because it could be Savathun. Imlint even happen. Right. It could be Savathun, you know, giving a report of how Sagira died to explain why she doesn't have a ghost. Did Destiny even happen? Exactly. I don't know. This is all just one big vexed simulation. Now, is, is, do you know what? Master Chief could still be asleep right now in, you know, Halo 3. This could all just be a dream. Yeah. He could still be frozen. It's, he's just dreaming about destiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, should we move on? Yeah, there's new champion mods that they announced uh, August 11th. So that was cool. I have opinions. So we have um, auto rifle barrier is back next season. It is the only barrier mod that they announced. Uh-huh. I'm sure there will be another one, but there's no. only that one. That That's it. I, I have a feeling that that's going to be it. Well, fuck. The reason being, the ones that they've usually hidden deeper in the, the artifact have usually been special mm-hmm. ammo ones, and they yeah. already announced one of those. Yeah, they announced um, there's also going to be Overload Bow. Um, they announced without putting it in the picture um, Overload Sword again. Um mm-hmm. And there are three unstoppable, so I feel like this is the season of the unstoppable. <laughs> Except that there's still going to be the other champions. I know. It's going to make GMs really difficult. So this is, yeah, this is... Because like, um, we're going to have to start relying on Ariana's Vow because there's no good auto rifle for barrier. Nope. Because GMs, you're playing at a distance. Yep. That is the problem I have. Is Ariana's Vow the only barrier, intrinsic barrier weapon? I believe it is. Currently. I hate that. They might introduce something next season, but I bet you they are introducing something next season that is an intrinsic barrier weapon. They better. I think they are. They have to be. They wouldn't be doing this if they weren't. Um, The three unstoppable... um, Ones that they have, there is Unstoppable Fusion, and that is uh, Fusion and Linear Fusion, Unstoppable Scout Rifle, which is cool. And then, for some reason, Unstoppable Sidearms, again. Which I'm never going to use. (laughs) Stop trying to make Unstoppable Sidearms a thing. Like, at this point, with them announcing which champion mods they're going to be, I can already see myself purchasing four of them um i'm really excited about overload bow again i loved overload bow it is so consistent um that is the one that i will be using all the time Mm -hmm. obviously because it is uh the only overload on the list so (laughs) um also the overload sword obviously is good um but like depending also, on Also they have I mean I use Divinity also when they had overload. Um right. because Divinity was also really consistent. Right. But um overload bow is really good because it is a one shot overload guaranteed. 
I loved Overload Bow. It it I actually ran stuff. I ran a lot of PvE like PvE when it was Overload Bow. So I will probably do that again. Uh, and just for our but, listeners' sake, um, Bastion is unstoppable as well. Uh, Ariel, mm-hmm. Ariana's Vow is anti-barrier. Divinity is overload. Devil's Ruin is unstoppable. And then... Leviathan's Breath, isn't that one of them? Yes, I believe is that, that in- is... Yes, it's unstoppable. But those... Oh, and uh, Lament. Lament has anti-barrier yeah, Lament built is into it. anti-barrier, yeah. Those are the only exotic weapons that actually have any of those intrinsically. Yeah. So with anti-barrier auto rifles being the mod, I just see a lot of people are going to be using Ariana's Vow. Yeah. Ariana's Vow is good. It is. And I love it. But when it becomes the only thing for anti-barrier, it's going to become an issue. Maybe I'll finally finish the the catalyst for it. (laughs) Well, and at this point, it gives it auto-loading holster. Yeah. Um... So those are the champion mods. Um, we'll see what the other ones are like upper like up the list uh, when they finally come out on the twenty fourth. Uh, that'll be exciting. So yeah, for people that do a lot of GMs, um, the way that they do the mods, um, I'm interested to see like listeners and like people who just follow us on Twitter, like what you think of the way that they're doing the mods now and how that changes the meta. And if you even want to do GMs because of it, like almost like, let me know, like, what do you think? Because like, it really changes the way you do GMs. And you're talking about the champion mods, right? Yeah. I've enjoyed the fact that they've taken it away from the weapon mod slot and added it to the armor Mm -hmm. because now it opens up a bunch of other possibilities. Does it? Well, because like before. Why? You couldn't add mods to exotics. Why don't they just add a mod slot to the exotics? Why don't they just do that? That would be great, but they just haven't. And they haven't for years. I would rather that they add the mod slot to the exotics. So then they would free up my fucking like my gauntlets on my stupid arms. So I wouldn't have to like put these on my arms anymore. And and that would be great, but as the system currently sits, I prefer this method than the previous one that we had, mm-hmm. and that's just because, like, if we have something that, and this is purely hypothetical because I personally wouldn't use this, but, like, I could go in with overload sunshot, you know, overload hand cannons, and I could use sunshot, or I could use ace of spades currently, mm-hmm. whereas last the last iteration of this system you couldn't because you could only put mods on legendaries so it it opens it up to any exotic of that specific type could be you know a champion worthy exotic Mm -hmm. i do see part of the problem with adding a mod slot to any exotics like exotic weapons It, it would throw off the balancing you know, the, the actual tuning that they try and do. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine Ariana's Vow with backup mag. You know, you're getting extra bullets. Or imagine Lament with 
boss spec, you're going to be doing a lot more damage that way. So, like, I can see why they don't. Well, this is my thing, though. Like, I don't know why they don't just turn it on for the season then and just automatically apply it. So if it's an auto rifle, just turn on auto bear, like anti-barrier. Or if it's if it is a bow, just turn on. Like just say, oh, you have a bow. Oh, suddenly you can overload a thing. I think part of that is just time constraints on the developing side. Um, because like it, it would have to be something that because like we're able to use all these mods outside of just GMs or Master Vog. Like, you can go into patrol with unstoppable, you know, sidearm. Well, my thing is that, like, it can recognize what's shooting it. So I don't know why it can't just recognize, like, oh, you're shooting it with an auto rifle. Okay, I'll pop this bubble. And it would negate the need for these mods. Because the mods obviously cause a problem. Again, it, it boils down to time constraints on development. Because that is adding extra aspects to the system. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like the mods at all. But of course, I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't like having to change my fucking loadout like every single time I go do something. And all I'm really saying is I enjoy this iteration of it better than the previous one. Yeah. Just because I can apply it to more shit. Yeah. Like this season, unstoppable grenade launchers. That works with Anarchy. That works with Wither Horde. Mm-hmm. In the previous system, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did like Unstoppable Anarchy, like, along with, um, yeah. It, this season's been really broken. It's been pretty great. Um, let's see. We also have Exotic Tuning. Oh, there's nothing nice to say about that, so we're not going to talk about it. Um, if you want my take on geomags you can go look at my twitter and that was a conscious decision that her and i both made yep because there's um my mom always said if there's nothing nice to say um don't say it out loud on your podcast (laughs) except you do um (laughs) except i do all the time it's because we wanted to talk about the epilogue and didn't want to spend time on the exotics Um, because there was a lot of saltiness there there's a lot of there's a lot of epilogue that we wanted to t- we wanted to spend more time on the lore than everything else. Um, let's see. They added ammo finders. Um, they improved those. The ammo scavs don't stack anymore. They added something called holster mods for next season. Um, it's like reconstruction, I guess, from Deepstone Crypt, which is cool. So we're wondering if um, we can stack those with reconstruction. That's that's what I was thinking. I think we can. I think we're gonna try that out next season. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get back to you on that one. Um, it does not work with anything with a magazine of one. So if you you can't do this with a bow or a rocket launcher, obviously, because your bow is already loaded, or a rocket launcher or a grenade launcher that has one in the mag, yeah, not gonna load. work. Uh, and, yeah, and, breach load, no. And for our listeners, it, what she means by reconstruction, it is a perk specific to Deepstone Crypt weapons. Mm-hmm. And the actual perk says this weapon slowly reloads itself over time up to double capacity. Yeah. 
Um, but what this, what the holster mods do are just reload your weapon slowly. Um, it's kind of like transversive steps when you run around, it reloads your weapons for you. Yeah. Which I use in the crucible sometimes. I used to, um, I started kind of using them again a little bit. I mean, they also make you go zoom and you know, I like the zoomies. Like your kitties. <laughs> um, our last note, um, because it's the end of the season, claim your uh, rewards, you dumb shit magoos. I'm saying that for myself more than anything else because I forgot. And remember that those are seasonal rewards, like, you know, from seasonal challenges, from the season passes. Um, mm -hmm. that's... Everything. Zavala coins. Yep. Turn in your Zavala coins. Vanguard Go put tokens. on Netflix. Yeah, put on Netflix. Uh, sit in front of your computer and click your Zavala tokens. Turn those in. Put on a episode of Criminal Minds. That's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna turn in all my Zavala tokens because I've been watching the shit out of that show. Because apparently, I like to watch murder. <laughs> Considering you have a whole day where you don't know. literally go. I don't know. I've been like super. <laughs> well, like you have a day where you literally go on Twitter and say, you know. It's Wednesday, so Orchid woke up and chose violence. Uh, that's Wednesdays? I'm really cheerful every other day. And most of the time when I choose violence, it's like really minor violence. But that's the point. Like, you have a day dedicated to it. <laughs> yeah. It's so all my other days are like full of flowers and sunshine. Because I know it's like, I know Wednesdays are going to be my violence days. And otter. And otters. Yeah. Even Wednesdays are otters. Every day is otters. Should we go into a Lore Network ad? Because this yeah. is way too long. Let's let's do okay. that. Lore Network ad! Let's go! The Lore Network. Tune into the Spin Foil Theory Podcast for questions. Who is an or? Who is an or? What is an is or? What is that? For queries. Did the Hive really just body shame the Vex into changing their frames? For special guests. All the guests. For Spinfoil Theories. Mars Sabathoon. The Spinfoil Theory Podcast. Insert information here. So why he didn't he didn't give the he didn't give the information? He didn't give, he didn't give the information. Oh, uh Spinfoil Theory is available on Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Uh you can also get us at at Twitter at Spinfoil Theory and or uh, uh, Spinfoil Theory at gmail.com. Oh, my earballs. <laughs> uh, your earballs. Oh, my goodness. You're okay. not my supervisor. Um, I'm not. If I was, uh, you would be working way less. Um, brief intro into the topic. This lore book was obtained throughout the season by completing the seasonal quests. Hooray! Uh, for the first half of the book, go back to episode 123. That was last week. Uh, Elvist, would you like to read this uh, next one? Yep. And this is, All right. this is entry six, Understanding. Uh, we ended up getting this on week five, and the only thing that was actually happening at that point was Saint was thinking long and hard about how he is essentially the elixir boogeyman um, and that comes after the revelation that mithrax gave him on week four so the entry reads 
Ikora Ray strode into the future war cult headquarters. It had the air of a church, hushed and reverent, but the air of sanctity was undercut by the intrusion of vexed technology. Wires climbed like vines across the ceiling, and the air was filled with the faint smell of ozone. In the middle of the room, reclining on a seat reminiscent of both throne and operating table, was Lakshmi too. Her face was obscured by a helmet that connected to the massive wiring above. Studious cultists shuffled about with their heads bowed, glancing suspiciously at Ikora. As the warlock advanced, a cultist held up a single finger, commanding both silence and patience. Ikora's eyes narrowed. The cultist whispered into a small microphone next to the device. Its sub-audible hum had been inconspicuous, but once it powered down, the quiet felt overwhelming to Ikora. Lakshmi sat in repose, presumably orienting herself in the current timeline. Leave us, she said without opening her eyes. We'll resume at 1425. Her subordinates filtered from the room, looking past Ikora as if she were invisible. Lakshmi finally opened her eyes and fixed them on the warlock. I assume you're here to bargain. I'm not. Ikora's tone was calm and cold. I'm here to issue a warning of my own. Warn me? Lakshmi laughed, her voice thin. If we have any further incidents on account of your incitement, I will personally find a remote icy moon to leave you on. Lakshmi tutted. Only small minds classify prophecy as provocation. She stood up and smoothed her garments. Certainty in the face of the unknown is the provenance of zealots. Ikora eyed the device. And the insane. This isn't a debate. And yet, you are still here. Come, Ikora. You've not seen what I have. Lakshmi gestured to the device. The Bata district under assault for a second time. Saint-14 pinned down by gunfire, and you. She trailed off, screaming for help over the comms. How many of your prophecies have gone unfulfilled, Lakshmi? Ikora snapped. I wish you could hear yourself, how afraid you sound. All those years studying under Osiris, and you're still so naive, Lakshmi replied. Ikora's anger flared. She advanced on the cult leader. Cut the BS, or suffer the consequences. Understand? Undaunted, Lakshmi's artificial eyes shone bright. Understood. Ikora stepped back and let her anger pass out of her with a sigh. Then we are done here. She turned on her heels and strode out. As she left, Ikora wondered whose prophecy she had just fulfilled. Lakshmi's or her own? Wow, I really like threatening Ikora. Like, right? This is, she's such a boss in this. Like, that got me kind of excited. Like, I, she is just like right up in Lakshmi's shit. 
I love that so much. And I love the fact that she's calling Lakshmi on her shit. She is. Like, I wish we saw more of this in game. Like, right? I feel like this is just so lost. Like, seeing this in lore, I know they can't put this in game, I guess, but I really like this a lot. Like, if if they would have had all the the supplemental lore entries as actual cutscenes in game, I think I'd be perfectly fine with it. Even if it was just like those ink blot cutscenes like we see with, you know, Saint or with Zavala, this would be perfect in game. Even as a even as a voice line or like a radio transmission, like even part of this. Yeah. I would have liked to have. Yeah. Um, I would have really liked to have like this little end part. Um I would have had like how many of your prophecies have gone unfulfilled like to the end. I would have really liked to have that in game. Because like in game, we don't get that Ikora knows about Lakshmi's messages. Yeah. I mean, there might be a throwaway line here or there at the end of like an override. But for the most part, she's just letting it happen. We don't see that Ikora is actually dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, they feel in game like the vanguard is very passive like they're just letting them happen and they're just letting lakshmi like kind of run rampant through the city and so if you're not reading the lore entries as it's happening like you feel like the vanguard is kind of like cuckolded to um to lakshmi and her bullshit for for lack of a better term yeah i there's that is a very descriptive term to like what what it's like Honestly, I'm oh like, yeah, I hate that term, but that is what it is. Like, no, and actually, and, kind of has them by like the proverbial balls, I guess. And I, and I agree. Like that's, it's it's frustrating. It is. This is why I I this is why having the lore come out in this this way is f- for me frustrating because. I feel like the real story is being told here and not in game like at all and more like in Forsaken it was done a lot better yeah um because you got the actual story like in the game and you knew you weren't missing it like when you actually went through the story well and and even then like the lore that actually came out with Forsaken was Mm -hmm. more of like explaining histories and personalities yeah it it wasn't like replacing in-game content the forsaken prince was the history of like aldrin sov it wasn't like this is what aldrin is doing right now right but i mean i do like for this entry i do like ikora being like a badass bitch I love that. Oh, yeah. Like, Lakshmi is, I do, it, it says, like, undaunted Lakshmi's artificial eyes shone bright. Uh, she is just so sure in her bullshit. Well, and, like, it, the, the ironic thing is her prophecies for what happened are true. Yeah. Like, she actually is seeing what will happen. The problem is she caused it. <laughs> She caused it, but also she misinterpreted it. Yes. 
see you can you can prophesize things all you want but prophecies are only as good as the person interpreting them yep i guess and that's part of like why osiris left his prophecies so vague because like if you actually go in and and say specifically what is happening it ends up becoming predestiny yeah like you are predestined to do it exactly exactly and that's why prophecies are kind of annoying because if you have this prophecy like you are almost kind of destined to make the prophecy come true because you you're inclined to believe it well and e- and even if you're like fighting the prophecy i mean how many different books or shows or movies talk about like fighting your destiny fighting your future and by fighting it you lead it to specifically what you were trying to prevent right exactly i mean hell exactly that's the concept behind terminator (laughs) you know they fight the future again and again and again all they're doing is just delaying it but it's still happening yeah do i read this next one yeah let's let's jump into it all right this is week six um week six we found out that um korea is behind the endless snipe um so this is seven ripe i walk through the city on broken legs i'm conspicuous but the people here grant me many affordances i chose this form well i sway and catch myself on a low stone wall I'm ready earlier than anticipated, but I must still learn the next step. I look up toward the false dusk I have hung, but it is not yet finished. I'm afraid, but it's thrilling to engage in something new after all this time, something unknown. I close my eyes tightly so they do not bulge. The feeling passes. I open my eyes and search the faces of the people around me for familiarity. I did not mean to. I twist inwardly with disgust. When they first reached for me, I reached back in acid mockery, and they opened themselves to me in stupid naked innocence. I was giddy. My fingers raked in their minds. I forced my will through them using only words and met no resistance. Their naivete was beyond description, and I feasted until my eyes welled with black tears. Now I reach as often as they do, and when they reach back, I am thankful. I speak with them. I seek their company, their companionship. This is not pity, for I know pity. What is this? I drop to both knees, clear my mouth, and vomit. The thin, black fluid turns to vapor and disappears. I clench the gangling black mass that threatens to unspool recklessly from within this shell of flesh. My new arms are too thin, too weak. My new shell still bound with thick mucus. Not yet, I say. A moment of blackness. And then, a man places his hands on me, on my shoulders, on my back. 
He asks if I am ill, and he sees my flat eyes, my teeth black with ripeness, and he prepares to scream. I let him keep his mind. I push breath up and through my ruined mouth and speak a simple lie. He stops, smiles, laughs, shakes his head. He points a finger at me in mocking admonishment before walking away. I swallow the fatty morsel of his ignorance and it gives me the strength to stand once more, cover my face and resume my walk. I feel this form splitting beneath its wrappings, held together weakly by wet strands of sinew. And from deep inside, stirred by that latest scrap of deception, I hear the oily growl of the worm. Even here, basted in deception both ample and rich, the worm cries ravenously. It has grown grotesque, skin taut, overfed and still it howls for more. It commands me to keep it alive. I look up beyond the flickering net of darkness and see what rests just beyond waiting for me. The worm roars. This is the entry that got everybody up in arms. Yes. Um, Because this is the witch queen talking mm-hmm. and this is it this is the one yep she has taken disguise and is in the tower she's here this is where people started suspecting osiris yeah it, like just i don't know why though because it doesn't have any right. reason as to why it should be osiris right there's zero it, there's is no osiris in this at all exactly it, like like, For all we know, she could have just been a random person. Because, like, it talks about how she's got wrappings and, you know, she's covering herself. And, yeah, Osiris has coverings, but, like, not to the point that you can't see anything. Because, like, she's trying to hide a lot of what's going wrong with the body. Well, it says, I feel this form splitting beneath its wrappings held together weakly by wet strands of sinew. Like, that's just wet strands of sinew is just like, that's just a human body. And beneath its wrappings, that's just clothes. Right. Like, good job, guys. That's clothes in a body. Like, congratulations. No, like, I, I do understand that at this point, we did get a few suspicious lines from Osiris, but like that was in the mission and Tartarus, I think was the one that we did that week. Yeah. But the lines that we did get, I feel like they were him trying to catch Coria and not kill Coria. Right. Uh, there is one line about that. Yeah. Um, the, but that's totally Osiris. The other one that I'm thinking of specifically was him kind of showing admiration towards Savathun. And again, that's that's Osiris. You know, he might hate and fear his his enemies, but he still has some admiration for their plans. There's a lot of, of things that like people were pointing at Osiris and I'm just sitting here like... I just don't see it. 
I, I can see them like her using him. I just don't see her taking up the visage of Osiris just to be in the tower. Yeah, I don't. No, like I'll gladly admit if if I'm wrong. Oh, I will too. It's just like I don't. I don't know. And I'm hoping that Bungie doesn't go that route. Yeah, but mm, yeah, because like it would lead to more interesting character development on on Osiris's part if mm-hmm. you know it wasn't really like if it was him all the way through up until the epilogue. I don't know. We'll have to like wait and see. Yeah, we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. So should I continue? Yeah. And this is entry eight, Gilded Knives. Uh, This was given to us on week seven. At that point, the faction heads went to potential replacements for the Vanguard, like Saint-14 and Osiris. The entry reads, They say the promenade of the core district never sleeps. In times of celebration, it was a parade ground meant to extol the virtues of the Guardians and show the people of the city the faces of their often distant defenders. To see it empty was almost unheard of since the Red War. Executor Hideo of New Monarchy walked alongside Lakshmi II of Future War Cult, observing vendor stalls decorated in neon lights that flickered intermittently as they passed. But there were no vendors, no proprietors. Hideo glanced over his shoulder at the four Future War Cult security officers that followed behind them at a respectable distance. Do you remember the last time this street was empty? He asked. Yes, Lakshmi said with a heavy heart. They called me a fool then as well. She did nothing to hide the contempt in her voice. We make mistakes in circles, Hideo, walking in a loop of our own self-made despair. Before he could formulate a response, Hideo spotted the reason for their walk through the endless night. A towering behemoth of chrome and lavender cloth hunched over in an abandoned plaza. Saint-14 focused on the birds underfoot, scattering a handmade mix of seed on the ground while he cooed contentedly at the pigeons. You have chosen border night for walk, he observed as Hideo and Lakshmi approached. Do you need escort back to tower? Hideo shook his head. No, Saint. We went to find you in the hangar, and Miss Holiday informed us that you had come here to... He eyed the birds. Contemplate. Birds are uncomplicated. Good conversation lists. They give me room to think. Saint said with a smile in his voice. How can I help you? The consensus has struggled as of late with some of the Vanguard's decisions regarding the city's security. We wanted to expand that conversation to include you, Lakshmi said. But not Rak Jalal, Saint asked, a more pointed and cunning response than either Hideo or Lakshmi anticipated. No, Hideo quickly confirmed. 
Lakshmi verbally maneuvered around Hideo's answer like water around a stone. This is about ensuring that the best interests of the city are at the forefront of the Vanguard's mind. Saint fixed his helmed visage on Lakshmi. The Lixni. A statement. Not a question. The Vanguard are a military force, and the consensus does not doubt their commitment to defending the city beyond its borders. Lakshmi carefully worded her approach. But we have come to doubt that a military force is the best governance for the city inside of its walls. Saint squared his shoulders as if presented a challenge and looked between Hideo and Lakshmi. His stoicism twisted Hideo's stomach into knots. We would like to propose restructuring of the city's leadership, placing the vanguard as the authority for what goes on outside the walls, Hideo gestured toward the mountains, and respective leadership here inside the city, he motioned to Saint. This is bad plan, Saint said without any attempt at obfuscating his feelings. Surely you understand that tactical options in the field do not always apply unilaterally in a civilian quarter, Hideo pleaded. On top of that, the vanguard is stretched too thin. They cannot be the leadership they need to be. Saint balked. Then why come to me? I am no politician. But you are a leader, Lakshmi countered as she placed a hand over her chest. A hero, a symbol to the people. Saint drew in a steady breath and grew silent. It may not feel like the right choice because of your personal feelings toward Commander Zavala and Ikora. Change can sometimes feel distasteful. But I know you aren't one to ignore your sense of duty. Saint looked down at his feet, at the birds, at the seed. I must speak with Osiris, he asserted. Lakshmi briefly regarded Hideo and nodded. Give your partner our regards. I will, Saint said stiffly, scattering the last of the seed in his hand to the birds before departing the plaza. Hideo and Lakshmi waited under the watchful eye of the Traveler until Saint was gone. If he tells Zavala or Ikora, Hideo said through clenched teeth, Osiris will stop him from doing anything so stupid, Lakshmi said, the softness in her voice gone. And if he is so short-sighted as to refuse us as Saladin did? Hideo's stomach twisted again. Well, that is a lot. <laughs> I agree with Saint. This is a bad plan. Right. This is just like, why did they think that Saint was going to go along with this? I have no idea. It's like they don't know him at all. Like, Well, like, I, I think they were trying to play on his, his sense of right and wrong, but it went in a direction that they didn't foresee like they were expecting him to do what's right for the people but he didn't see that the vanguard is his people no <laughs> yeah 
I think they figured that like the city was his people. Right. And that or that humans were his people or something. Um, and the Elixni were not his people, or maybe they believed the stories that like he ate Elixni babies or something. Right. And that he can't change. And and that's that's exactly it, is the fact that like they were trying to play his traits and it just didn't work. No, it really didn't. Um, cause then like right after this, Saint and Osiris head to the helm and and they're both talking about like Oh yeah, Lakshmi and and Hideo came to me to try and replace the Vanguard and and like they talk about it right in front of you. Right. I'm just like I'm really I mean I would say that I'm really surprised that they did that, but I'm really not surprised at all because they would go to like any lengths to get what they want and they know what's standing in their way. And especially with how they've been this season. Mhm. Like and that's the they're big starting thing. to show that they're desperate. Yes. Um. So their desperation is coming out in this entry, and even though it's a long entry, it it is very apparent. I would say that some of these like aren't very good uses of this lore book, but this is a very good use of like a supplement to this week. Right. Um. Because like we get the stuff that's that happens right after the entry. Right. So we end up getting the entry itself as kind of like a prequel mm-hmm. and we're reading that like after the fact yeah it still ends up feeling like really like it felt really awkward to me yeah. as i watched it happen and i'm sitting there like this is a conversation that i probably shouldn't be hearing mm-hmm. and it, it's it's because of how they're doing the, the lore this season I really do also like the, like, Lakshmi is, really dances around her point, and I really have to give it to her. She is a really good politician. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't like her as a person, but I can, like, I can recognize, like, the verbal circles that she's going in. And like, oh yeah, what game she's playing? Like, is she is a like wordsmith? Good for her. She's good for her. She is a wordsmith through and through, and and she plays freaking chess with people. I'm the one thing that worries me is the very last part of this entry. Um, Osiris will stop him from doing anything so stupid. Lakshmi said, the softness in her voice gone. And if he is so short-sighted as to refuse us as Saladin did, just that. Yeah, it it makes me think of like what they had planned for Saladin since he refused them. Yeah. Or like... I'm wondering what all of that is, though. And it it also brings me... it Like, it, it brings me to think of like, what was their plan C? Yeah, we never got into that, um, really. Because, like, they went to like, Saladin. Up to this point. They went to, yeah. to Osiris and Saint. Right. And then they say, you know, and if he is so short-sighted as to refuse us as Saladin did, what was their next step? Right, right. But what happened? I mean, we know what, what happened with Saladin last season. And we know that he saw, like, what kind of monster he really was. 
like when it came to throwing the scion off the side of the tower. Oh, that that character assassination. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like you see the evil inside yourself and kind of like letting the and that was kind of like the first like evil that we really saw like in a character, like kind of a beloved character. Mm -hmm. And like but we see that he refused them. Like, with the way that they wrote him last season, I would have assumed he would have said yes. I think it's... Unless, like, he saw... I think maybe because he saw the evil in himself that that's why he said no. Exactly. I, I was about to say that. I think because of yeah. his journey last season, that mm -hmm. is why he said no. Good for him. Good job, Saladin. I'm proud of you. That, and, and I also... I wonder how much of it is the fact that, like, Saladin still has a, a place in his heart for Zavala. Because at that point, it's it's mentor and student. You know, Saladin mentored Zavala. So I'm, I'm wondering if that played into it as well. You know, Lakshmi and Hideo went to Saladin and he was like, so you're asking me to betray my student? No. So like that could have been a factor as well. Yeah. I'm... And so also, he says if he tells Zavala or Ikora, and then Osiris will stop him from doing anything so stupid, which means Osiris might already kind of be in their court. I'm trying to remember what he actually said in that part of it. Because um, I, I remember him talking about not wanting to dive into the actual politics of it. Right. But I don't know if I'm misremembering that. Either way. I mean, this has, there's a lot of stuff here, but it's all kind of at the very end. Right. Like the, them talking about like the politics of the consensus um, kind of is a moot point. Um, we didn't really talk about this in the, the end um, when we were talking about the epilogue, but I feel like this entire season is like Bungie's way of like, getting rid of the factions yes like they just made the season so they could get rid of the factions once and for all they're like oh you want new faction rallies well fuck you guys we're just gonna get rid of the factions because we don't know how to do faction rallies properly that's kind of how i've felt about this season because they're like we're gonna do we're we're tripling down on guardian games even though faction rallies would have been way way better um, so it's going to be guardian games from now on instead of faction rallies, even though faction rallies are, uh, better forever. We know that you all enjoyed faction rallies a hundred times more, a thousand times more. So it's going to be guardian games from now on. And I uh, fuck you guys who wanted faction rallies and, um, anything to do with the factions and we're going to kill all the factions and delete them from the game and get rid of all the lore associated with them. And even though there's no lore associated with gardening games, even though there is now and it's all very silly. Uh, so here you go. Heck I'm, I'm there's no saltiness there. Obviously. The only hope that I have that that is coming out of this sarcasm is that there will be new factions that step up. I doubt it. I do too. I'm holding on to hope. I have no hope. I can tell. I've I've learned to not have hope anymore. I can tell. I've learned to have zero hope when it comes to stuff like this. Because if I have no hope, then um when we get new stuff that is that is good, then I'm like very pleasantly surprised and uh, really happy. 
But then if I have zero hope and then we get nothing, then my hopes aren't dashed because I had no hope to begin with. Very cynical way of looking at mm-hmm. it, but yeah. Yeah, but it, it protects me. So my hopes cannot be dashed. Right. Because I have zero hope. Yeah. And and like, I know that, the, that you know, new factions wouldn't come right away. Yeah. If at all. I can see civilians still grouping together and being like, oh, hey, we all believe in this. This goes against what leadership is saying, or this is the the voice we want to portray. So I can still see that happening, but it depends on how this next season works. What's hilarious is that there's the way that the city is run now is just by, you know, military dictatorship. I was going to wait until the final entry for that, but yeah. Because it's just the vanguard. Again, I was going to wait until the end. End. Oh, okay. But yeah, okay. Because I mean, that gets into... <laughs> we'll keep going. Because that gets into we'll spoilers. Spoilers. We'll get to the... I mean, we've all... we've. We've all played the okay, but yeah, okay. Uh, week eight. Well, 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 I'll read the next one. How about that? That works. We'll keep going. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this next entry, uh, we got week eight. Um, week eight, we defeated uh, Korea, the Endless Night, or Korea, which is how I'm going to say it. Um, and those are two night. different things. Yeah. Yeah. They the way Osiris said it, which was like Korea, like the country, or Korea, which is I think how we've always said it. The endless night ended right here, which was also the beginning of Guardian Games. Um, or no, it was the beginning of Solstice. Was this week? Was week eight? Yep. Duh. Okay. Um. So this is entry nine prediction. In the days that followed Korea's defeat, the sky lightened, and so did the city's mood as the endless night began to slowly lift. Lakshmi, too, stood high on the city walls, watching adventurous citizens mingle with the Elixni. She focused her attention on an Elixni peddler who had fashioned several small robots from discarded scrap. A small gaggle of children stood across the way, clearly interested in the robots as they moved aimlessly, but too frightened to approach. Lakshmi knew that the peddler would sell one of the robots, but none of the scrap, and end the day discouraged. It's a bright new day, she thought. It's a bright new day, a deep voice called out. Lakshmi turned to see the former warlock Osiris striding along the wall towards her. What a strange choice of words, Lakshmi answered. The darkness is closer than ever, and the darkness in... And in the darkness, it's sometimes difficult to tell friend from foe. She remembered this conversation from her time in the device. Many of the potential futures it showed her led to this moment. Osiris was growing predictable. It is, Osiris said, and in the darkness, it's hard to tell friend from foe. Lakshmi smiled inwardly. They were still well within the standard deviation. I'm surprised to hear you say that, Osiris. You are normally blessed with such uncommon clarity. My perspective has changed since I lost the light, Osiris began slowly. Time is suddenly finite. It makes everything seem more changeable. 
And if my perception can change, perhaps my enemies can as well. Folly of mortality. Lakshmi gestured to the scene below. Those people could never understand time as we do, Osiris. You've peered behind the veil. You've seen the Vex simulations stretching endlessly. You understand that history is changeable, but also inevitable. I used to be certain of that, he agreed. But now I have to wonder if history is inevitable. Why am I constantly surprised? Lakshmi chuckled. She had heard his comment before, of course, but her premonition had not adequately conveyed his fatuousness. And what do you think, Osiris? Will this bright new day last? She nodded toward the Elixney settlement. Are we meant to share the light with the fallen? As if you would know, she thought. You no longer deal in predictions. I've given up on prediction, Lakshmi. I put my fate in the hands of the Traveler now more than ever before. He gave her a sidelong glance. And what do you say? Is this a new dawn? Lakshmi recalled the vision she had so fervently sought within the device. The realization of her righteous victory over the Elixni, historical and preordained all at once. Her life's work crawling minute by minute from the future into the present. No, she replied. This is just a flash of lightning before the coming storm. The big thing that, that jumps out at me is the fact that Lakshmi actually says that um, Osiris is getting predictable. He's he's becoming predictable, but I mean, like, is that bad? It's not. But, like, it, it also depends on which theory about Osiris you're working off of this season. Right. Because, like... He might be predictable because he has been replaced. Or it could just be that he's playing safe because he only has that one life left. Like, right. It, it a lot of it boils down to how you're trying to view Osiris this season. Well, it's also like, what kind of predictable is it? it well, like, like predictable for a normal person or predictable for Osiris? That's true. Because predictability, like, is it predictable for, like, oh, he's watching a sunrise? That's normal for a human sometimes. Like, I like to watch a sunrise if I'm up that early. It's pretty. Yeah. Like, I like to go walking in the forest, but I'm also a tree scientist. Like, that's a normal place you will find me. That doesn't mean, like, you are going to go, like, step foot in a forest. That would not be predictable for you. Right. You know, like, and and all I'm getting at is, it, like, she was predicting specifically what he would say, right? Like, she predicted the entire conversation. I mean, that could also just be that she knows him really well. It could be. I mean, I can have entire conversations with my sister and know what my sister is gonna say. It it could be, um, but then she, she ends up like there are lines in here, you know. They were still well within the standard deviation. So like yeah. I, what I'm specifically getting at is the fact that Lakshmi is overusing the ox yeah. machine. Oh, yeah. She's totally crazy, by the way, because the ox machine makes you insane. And and like she's overusing it to the point that like she's pre she's looking at predictions 
for conversations. So like, yeah, she's she is way off the deep end at this point. Mm-hmm. That's why I can't take people saying, "Oh, Cyrus is being really sus," very seriously. Right. Like, I can't. Like, the Oxen machine is such. It, it's it doesn't predict anything properly except the red war is the only time it's ever been it's ever been like predicted correctly and one in a million is lucky like if that was science that you throw that out like right that's not accurate that's trash it's trash science except that the the thing is you're looking at it from a a scientist standpoint they are a politician who is a cultist yeah that's the problem you're looking at it from a logical standpoint whereas god forbid she is not (laughs) but if i'm looking at it also from like a person who does a lore podcast perspective taking myself out of this as a second and looking down on it oh yeah arguing that osiris is sus and using her predictions with the oxen machine as something to support oh he's very sus you can't use the oxen machine as an argument you absolutely cannot like this is you the the oxen machine is like inadmissible i'm sorry oh i agree i i completely agree but i'm also looking at it from the standpoint of the people who are using it as an argument Mm -hmm. don't quite care no they don't and that's the problem but yeah but, I mean, he does say that my perspective has changed since I lost the light. Time is suddenly finite. It makes everything seem more changeable. We did talk about that. So if this actually is Osiris and not, like, fake Osiris, like, that does make sense. Yeah, it does. Man, now I'm having to actually look at these entries from two different yeah. viewpoints because... The viewpoint of is it if it is actually Osiris, uh-huh. I've given up on prediction. I put my fate in the hands of the traveler. Like I'm, I'm, my life is finite, and I have to kind of step back from things because, like, I have one life to live, and I have to slow down. And right, you know, like fuck you, Lakshmi. Like middle fingers walking backwards, Osiris. Right. And then you yeah. you also look at it from the other perspective of if it isn't really Osiris and it's, you know, her in Osiris yeah. clothes, you know, she's given a good performance. Yeah. Because it sounds like him. It does. But also if it is Osiris saying that, it's Osiris being like, yeah, I've totally slowed down. You know, watch <laughs> me slow down as I like run to like the library looking at like all this fucking science. As I like try to science my way into, you know, trying to catch Coria, whatever. Right. Killing, killing Coria. Yeah. Stuff and things. I don't know. Do you want to read the last one? Yes. All right, cool. Let's do it. This entry was only obtainable by doing the final epilogue quest. And that is 10 Memorial. The air up on the wall was thin. Lakshmi was right about that. Mithrax stood in silent observation of the memorial above the main concourse. He leaned against an iron railing, watching guardians and citizens alike moving below, Elixni with them, 
Adreg approached the memorial and led his child to stand among the mourners. Urged forward by a gentle nudge, the child gingerly placed a gilded eggshell at the memorial's base. Gold soldering sealed a myriad of fractures, making a once broken egg whole again. Mithrax's throat tightened at the sight. It was a memorial for a child, lost. The walkway behind Mithrax groaned as Saint-14 cut a large silhouette against the clear sky. Shoulder to shoulder, they stood. Neither spoke. They watched as Ikora and Zavala conversed with departing mourners. The dreg and his son approached, and with a bittersweet smile, Ikora made certain to introduce them to Zavala. Big, stern, stoic Zavala took to one knee and spoke to the child eye to eye. I never thought I'd see the day, Saint finally said, unable to look away. Mithrax responded, not with words, but with a fluttering purr-like rumble and mirrored Saint's posture. Do you think this will hold? An alliance, fragile like glass, held in a fist? Saint asked. Only the great machine knows what will come from over the horizon. We must be content with our own limited perspectives, Mithrax said with conviction. Saint nodded. Down below, Amanda Holiday drew their attention as she knelt before the memorial to light a candle. She stood and stepped back, lingering. Mithrax and Saint watched in silence as she rose up to her toes and began scanning through the crowd, as if she was looking for someone. She gently pushed through the throng of people and reached out to another mourner in a white cloak. Both recoiled in surprise, Amanda seemingly apologizing to the cloaked woman at some misunderstanding. They exchanged brief words, awkward laughs, sympathies. When Amanda caught sight of Lord Saladin, however, she took her leave and disappeared into the crowd. Mourners parted around the Iron Lord, respectful of his space and reputation as he laid a handful of spent shell casings at the memorial with reverence. The offering's meaning was lost on Mithrax. When Saladin rose from the memorial, he turned and looked up at the pair on the overwatch, his face cast in shades of doubt, remorse, and uncertainty as he quietly departed. I do not know that one, Mithrax said with a look to Saint. He seems unhappy. Saint slowly shook his head. Lord Saladin, he clarified. He has lost many, lost his heart, his hope, lost so many. He believes he stands alone, even when surrounded by others. I understand his pain. I see. Saint thinks on how Osiris would describe it. His cautionary tale. Mithrax heard the ache in Saint's voice. And how are you? The saint tensed at the question. The railing in his hand creaked as his grip tightened and bent to the metal. 
I am fine, he lied. Indeed, Mithrax said, with his best affectation of sarcasm, then placed a hand on Saint's shoulder. It is not above a warrior's station to feel pain. Not above a warrior's station to express spirit wounds. Mithrax's grip firmed on Saint's shoulder, reassuring, stabilizing. Not above a warrior's station to break. Saint nodded in half-hearted agreement. I should go. He said in a tone Mithrax didn't quite understand. Thank you, Gel of Kellis. You are a true friend. Go well, Saint, Mithrax said with concern. Find your lost phoenix. Ah, uh, the very end. Find your lost phoenix, my heart. Right? No, I can't do it. No. Uh I swear if next season isn't like just go like Sane 14 goes on a journey to find Osiris, I'm going to like throw a bitch fit. Right. <laughs> like that's all I want. I just want like him going and like finding his burb husband. <laughs> I swear to fuck like if that isn't it. So now. So to continue a, a conversation that we were having earlier um, at this yeah. point in the epilogue. You like in that final mission, you can find Lakshmi's dead body. Yes. Um, and the future war cult has been abandoning her over the entire season to the point that, like, yes, there's no one left. No, so I mean, like, imagine still being pledged to future war cult and Destiny One, like, at this point, like, me, I'm still <laughs> my Destiny One account is still pledged to future war cult, like. <laughs> Like, literally, I'm still pledged to them. You piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I'm still pledged to them in D1. <laughs> I like the colors. They're so but, pretty. But, yeah, so Future War Cult essentially is no more. Um, uh -huh. Dead Orbit. They're gone. Dead Orbit got the fuck out. Yep, they GTFO'd. They did their thing. They are gone. Right. And, like, those two factions, it makes perfect sense how they got wrapped up. Yes. New Monarchy GTFO'd with Dead Orbit. Yes. That does not make sense. It kind of, it does and it doesn't. Like, New Monarchy was always about, like, restarting kind of the Golden Age and staying at the city because they always wanted to, like, they always wanted to rebuild the Golden Age and that always had to do with Earth. Right. Um, I But, I mean, the Golden Age can really be started anywhere it really it doesn't could. have to do with the city itself it's more about humanity i'm surprised that that hideo and jalal were just i mean maybe he had a change of heart and was like oh lakshmi what are you doing i'm i'm just looking at the entire situation and i'm like okay so it made sense for these two factions to be you know gotten rid of it doesn't a hundred percent make sense for new monarchy but I mean, knowing what we know of them. And and then this is me going back to gamer status rather than lore person. But this was also Bungie's way of getting rid of the factions. Yeah. Like they got rid of two of them and they're like, oh, well, we can't leave one faction in. So this is them wanting to make room in the tower, just like they got rid of like Sweeperbot and like Callus's 
bots in the tower as well. Like, yeah. God forbid you leave, like, what's his name? Benedict. Benedict, like, down in, like, the creepy ghost room. Yeah. Like, underneath Hawthorne. And and, like, and that that is what it boils down to, is the fact that, like, they just wanted to clean house. Yeah. Because, um, God forbid, they, like, do anything with actual lore that's, you know, they just don't want to have faction rallies. That's what this boils down to. So... <laughs> Um, this is just the getting rid of faction rally season. This is what it's going to be for me forever. It's not going to be like, much. oh, we're going to. This isn't. This is what this has turned into. It's not a we're now friends with the Elixni and it's, we're turning a new leaf and becoming friends with different races season. This is for me. It has now been tainted into a we got rid of faction rally season forever. And, and- and for me, this is going to be the season where, yeah, they got rid of faction rallies, and it's Saints I Am Legend. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those two things perfectly describe this season. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that now the consensus, like the consensus used to be the speaker, each of the Vanguard mentors each of the faction heads. Okay, so that's seven yep. people. Mm-hmm. The speaker died. Cade yep. died. The speaker's been gone. Mm-hmm. So now that, that limited it down to like five people. And now all three of the faction heads are gone. Yep, so now it's just two people and they are a military dictatorship leading the entire city. I don't like that. And that's part of why I'm like, okay, so maybe there will be other factions that step up. Nope. Because it's literally two people governing the entire city. They don't have time to govern. They barely have time to govern their own guardians. Exactly. Because they need a third. This is why they've needed a third person for the hunters. Like They barely have time to take care of the hunters are running amok. And, and that's exactly what I'm getting at. They barely like, have time to do their own responsibilities, let alone govern an entire city. And now yeah. they are the only heads. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of seats that need to be filled. And I'm I'm waiting to see how that plays out. I'm wondering if like the darkness, like users are going to have their own seat at the table. The dark vanguard. Yeah. So Elsie, Drifter, Eris. Mm-hmm. I would be all right with that. Because Eris uses her like weird hive powers and we're, we know we're going to have weird hive powers. Well, and, and hell, like, all three of them can wield stasis. But I mean, like, we know that we're going to have yeah. weird hive powers next year. And Eris wields, like, weird hive powers. So, like... I would totally be all right with that. We'll have, like, stasis, and then we'll have weird hive powers. So I don't know why we won't have, like, a stasis person and, like, a weird hive power person, like, on the Vanguard or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know why we don't have a Praxic Order person either. TBH. I, I think a lot of those specific groups reported to Ikora. Yeah. You know, the Hidden reported to her. Probably, then, but I mean, she has her hands full. Yeah. Right. Like, a lot of things are, are going to change because at this point, the consensus has pretty much diminished. So, like, things are going to change. I'm just waiting to see how. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see like it'll be it'll be good. It will be. Or at least interesting. Um now as far as 
this entry goes, like a lot of that was pre-talk because of the epilogue. Um, yes, definitely. As far as the entry goes, it's it's very touching. Um, I mean, heck, they they had a, a young Elixni place a tribute to to the memor you know a memorial, you know it was a memorial for a child, and essentially they used gold solder to fix up an eggshell and like that just it's a very touching entry so um that actually comes from um have you ever heard of um kitsuji so i have actually have a lot of japanese people in my family if you don't know this i have not okay so kintsuji um is the idea of in Japanese culture, so my sister is married to a Japanese person and my older brother is married to a Japanese person. <laughs> I have a lot of Japanese people in my family. <laughs> and um, So when are you getting married to a Japanese person? I am not. <laughs> Both of them actually speak Japanese. One of them lives in Japan. I, on the other hand, do not. I, I speak the language enough or understand the language enough to watch anime. Um, and look away from the screen for long enough to still know what's going on. That's the extent of my language skills. Um, so this is the, the when things are broken, um, they can put pottery back together with um, gold or silver lacquer. And if you recall in Zavala's office, there is the speaker's mask and it was put back together with gold lacquer. And so you can see the seams of where it was broken. And okay. the gold lacquer is in the seams. And so that's the practice of kintsuji or kintsuji. My pronunciation is garbage. Um, but that is uh, two different words put together. So kin is gold and suji is, or suji is pottery. And so it's putting the, so it's to repair with gold. And so it's, it's understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken is kind of the idea of it. So this is the same kind of idea. So you're putting the egg back together with this gold lacquer and you see the seams now where it was broken. And so if you look it up, um, it's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. You can look it up online if you want. You can see a lot of very beautiful pieces. You can you can see them all over the place. But um, it's a very beautiful practice. You can... There's gorgeous pottery everywhere. So I would look it up if I were you. I I like the idea that it's it's literally looking at something that was once broken and fixed. Yeah. It, like, I mean, you can draw parallels between that and people. Yeah. So, but it's it's the idea that, like, yes, you were broken, but now you can still see your scars and um you're acknowledging that they were there but um but you're more beautiful for it kind of that's the idea behind it and and it also brings about the idea that i mean no thing is without scars yeah and it's part of what makes you you yeah so i like that and i mean we all have them and so if you want to be like more poetic about it like we all have scars and I'm not saying like wear them on your sleeve, but I think the flaw, at least in Japan, like the flaw is seen as like making the piece unique 
So, and it kind of gives the object, it's part of the object's history and that adds to its beauty. Pottery, especially like in Japan, pottery is, is something that you can pass down to people and families, especially like teapots and um, like bowls and stuff. So I have a lot of um, Japanese teapots. Um, I have a lot of teapots. I have a problem. Like <laughs> the number of teapots and teacups and like bowls I have in my house, like from Japan and China is out of control. Jeez. It's not good. Um, but, um, but no, like, yeah, I, that's I like where this idea. From. Yeah. So that's, that's what it's based on. Um, so you can see the speaker's mask that's been fixed with the same thing. Um, and now this, this egg that's also been fixed with um, Kintsuji. So I like that they've done this twice now in lore. But when, when you read this, I, I recognized this act. So I like, like scrambled to find a picture to like throw at Elemis in his DMs. I'm like, ah, look at this. I know what this is. Oh, and and throw she did. I did. I like put pictures <laughs> of his DMs. I'm like, look. <laughs> but no, like it. I like that. I like that they they looked at it and they were like, oh hey, let's incorporate you know a real world uh, tradition or a real world concept. And I I enjoy that when they do it and they do it a lot so yeah i think this is also um a nice way to round out the end of this season i think because this this last entry kind of brings i feel like it kind of heals this whole season yeah like it doesn't it 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 heals it i would uh, it heals the hearts of this season i don't know how else to say it without sounding lame you know does that make sense it no it 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 makes sense it's about healing and trying to move onward and especially with with how this season went like and i'm probably gonna butcher saying it kintsugi 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 yeah like the idea of kintsugi it was a good way of actually wrapping up the season like we saw a lot of cracks in in characters and in the actual conflicts that went on and this is actually the perfect way to end the season it's it's saying you know we have our scars we have our issues we can repair them and become better and i kind of feel like this final entry is that it it is actually yeah yeah I don't know. Um, I like we finally saw Saladin. <laughs> Didn't see him like until near. Yeah. Like, where have you been, my dude? Denying Lakshmi, obviously. Well, obviously. But I, the thing that kind of kills me at the end is Saint. Saint's like obvious pain. Yeah. Like that hurts. Oh uh, God, my heart. <laughs> well, so like, it it's kind of poetic though, because Osiris felt that pang for Saint until he made the sundial and actually saved Saint. So now this is the other side of that coin. 
you know, now Os- Osiris is missing. Saint gets to go f- save him. I don't know. I, 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 I just, I see a beautiful symmetry in it. There is. He went to the end of the... He really went to, like, the end of time to go save him. So now Osiris is... I'm wondering... I'm wondering if everything that we've encountered, like, all the things that have happened to Osiris this year is all because of what was being used in the sundial itself. Oh, shit, maybe. This is all one really bad Ahamkara wish. We don't know that it was an Ahamkara bone. We don't, but... It could have been a piece of a worm. I hate you. Could have been a worm. Don't know. (laughs) We don't know what the fuck it was. A worm could be really hungry. Because we didn't feed it enough. We didn't feed it enough stonks. And now it's God knows where. God knows where. Just starving. Stonks market crashed because we didn't feed it enough stonks. It's it's God knows where because Osiris moved it and didn't tell anybody where it is. No, because we didn't feed it stonks. So it's been starving from stonks. <laughs> so. So Orchid, did you like the book? I I'm mixed. I like this. I like the stories. Um, I've got. I've got problems with books like this when they when you have to read them every single week when they come out. And I think it's more so because of the way like our podcast is laid out, honestly, in like our format, because we do like entire books like for a week or two. Well, and, and especially since that's how we've been conditioned. So we can't cover a book like this. <laughs> yeah. And we've been conditioned for, you know, seven odd years. I mean, not with like grimoire cards. That's a little different. Um, so I'll say like what four or five years. Three. Four. Um. Yeah. Three, three years. years. Three years that we get entire books. Ever since Forsaken. Yeah. Well, not even since Forsaken. Like since the Red War, we've been getting entire books. Because lore books didn't become a thing until um. Yeah, they were Forsaken. No, we got lore books at the beginning of Destiny. It was it was lore tabs. We got books though. I have no. yeah, I have entire lore books. Like I I have them. I have it I have them like printed out like on my shelf. Anyway, um but yeah, we're conditioned. Yeah, so we'll say 3 years to read them like this. Then now we don't again. I don't know. I just do we want are we supposed to read them or not i mean if this is the way they want us to read them fine but i don't like this the way it is and i just it really i agree i i'm I'm not going to read them each week because i have other things to do i'm not going to stop in game and read the lore book because it goes straight to like it, I it pops up at the bottom of my screen. I'm not gonna read it. Like whenever shit pops up at the bottom of my screen, I ignore it. Like literally ignore everything that pops up on the bottom of my screen because I don't care. <laughs> and see, I I just go in and make sure that it's checked off just so that it doesn't keep flashing at me, and then I move on. So like I agree. I I'm not a big fan of how this book is meant to be read. Yeah. Um it's got some good entries, but I I don't agree with how it's meant to be read. 
I just, I just can't, you know, I don't know. What about you? Oh, I pretty much gave my ideas. Um, like I said, I, I enjoy the actual entries, but I don't agree with how the book is meant to be taken. I wish they would give it to us all as a more cohesive book that we could read and enjoy as a book that is separate. And it, my one thing is that I want a book that I can read that doesn't require me to play the season. If that makes sense. Especially since you can't like, like I, there's a lot of things in this game now that I physically can't play anymore. Yeah. Um. So it's really kind of changed my opinions on a lot of Destiny, and it's made playing it really like I'm really relegated to playing Gambit and Crucible, and that's it. And I can do Override a couple of weeks out of this season. Like I can do certain overrides. I can't do all of them, and that's I see that's that's it. I can't do like half of the expunges and I can't see that just I can't do Delphi like yeah that just that sucks so like I've been trying to like change my settings so I can and like (laughs) my games looks really weird now so I'm just trying to figure out a way so I can and it's it sucks but it's just like, okay, well, I can throw caution to the wind and just do it. Fuck it. Fuck the consequences, which is kind of where I'm at at the moment. But everyone's like, how about not? Well, but like, I, it shouldn't have to be that way. But it is. So like, if I want to, if I want to enjoy the season, like everyone else, it, that's the way it has to be. So. And it, it sucks. Yeah, it does. And that's just the way it is. Unfortunately. So I'm at a fuck the consequences kind of part of the season. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. So fuck the consequences. Let's go. Epilepsy. <laughs> Yay. As long as you don't have a final count for each season of how many seizures you've had. Like I I mm. I've not I've given up counting. That's my final count. Oh jeez. You're welcome. So. Anyway. Anyway, um, I honestly like the lore in this a lot. Um, I would I would rather I don't have to play the actual season because um I will come back to this book later or I'll come back to other lore books. Like if I read the one like from the front from last season. And then read it, I'll be like, the fuck am I reading? Because I won't have remembered anything from this season. I'll just read the lore book and I'll be like, this is a bunch of nonsense. The only entry that you're absolutely going to remember anything about the weekly story is the Zavala assassination attempt. Yeah. And even then, that's only because like... There's a cutscene. And, and that's only because like in the actual entry that accompanies it, he talks about seeing Aldrin mm-hmm. and Ikora's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but 
any of the other weeks, I can't tell you what happened. No. Like, especially like this this season, for our listeners' sake, like, as I was doing the show notes, I had to pull up a ton of different resources to figure out what happened each week. Right. Because that's how these these specific lore books are handled. Mm-hmm. And I just could not remember. Like, I remembered that the saint thing happened, you know, halfway through the season. And then a week later, he was still mulling it over. But I didn't remember anything else. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Like, it was a good story. You know, a, a good seasonal story. But it's just with the way they're structuring the lore book mm-hmm. and the story for the season, like, it just doesn't work for me personally mm-hmm. i don't know i mean we'll see how next season is because i'll probably go along with the same thing and have another lore book just like this that we can't go over until um the end the end and so um we'll just have to wait um i'll talk to baxter and we'll just have to wait and see like which lore book that is um thankfully and i recommend this for anyone who's listening um like kind of a long like on time and not like weeks behind that um ishtar as a reminder is doing um they're doing spoilers on their website now so anything that is a spoiler will be marked as a spoiler so and as a reminder elmas and i try to keep spoilers out um of the podcast so we will try to not talk about spoilers um for the end of the season so because we don't like to be spoiled um and it was actually kind of nice to not be spoiled for the end of the season yep um i actually like really liked that like orchid could tell you i didn't even dive into this lore book until maybe two weeks ago yeah it was really nice honestly to actually just enjoy it like a player and not like someone who had to do like a lore video so um it was really great just enjoying it and not having to make content for it right away so we'll be covering all the other lore books and the other lore that comes out for the season um before we will be covering like the main lore for the season just like we did for this season so the main lore for the main story we will not cover until the very end just like this season so y'all are gonna have to wait we won't cover it or at least we won't cover it until the final entry can be obtained in game yeah um if they end up doing the season just like they have done for the last two seasons which i'm gonna assume they're gonna stick to the same schedule like they have because it's well well the thing is well, the thing is, next season is going to be a really long one. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's going to be up through January, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's going to be just like Arrivals. Uh... Where they literally have one or two entries that are just postponed throughout the entire thing. Um, Get ready for some old lore books that we um haven't gone over that we've been wanting to do like trials and tribulations we have scheduled and other books that we've been wanting to do and haven't and then we're also going to be jumping into 
her story. Uh, we're also going to be doing um, Shaira's story um, because we've been wanting to do that and haven't had the time because like those are long ass entries. Yeah, they are. So, um, but we've been trying to find the time to do them. Uh, we've been wanting to do the new trials gear for a long time and just like haven't had the time to do it. So we're finally making the time to do it. So we're going to be doing it this next season. So each piece has its own entry and it's a long entry. Yeah. Each piece has every its, single piece. Each piece has its so own. There's 15 entries. Each piece has its own entry. It's going to be insane. Anyway, um, that's about it. Do you have any shout outs? E? Yes. Um, I'm going to be shouting out a clanmate of mine, oh. Raging Monkeys. <gasps> Monkey is high. He kept pushing me to do a clan movie night. And we just had it last night, you know, Saturday, August 14th. Um, we sat around and just watched Dodgeball. And it was just, it was fun. There were like six or seven of us just throwing quotes at each other and and just bullshitting. It was amazing. What about you? Um, shout out to some of my friends who decided to install Osu and start playing my Circle Clicky game. Um, they have tasted the deliciousness of playing the Circle Clicky game with me, and now they cannot stop. So, um, if you want a game that is not Destiny, that also actually helps your aim in Destiny. Um, and it's also a bunch of weeb music, um, but also other music, but there's a lot of weeb music in it. Um, download Osu because once you play, um, you're not going to want to stop because it's really addicting. So talk to me about that. It's really fun. That's it. That's it. Because more and more people are installing it. It's making me really happy. Also, I keep finding people like in Osu chat, which is just like the scariest place i've ever been is just like the random chat with strangers in osu it's just the most hectic place it's terrifying but i find people with the name of otter just any otter name because mine is otter space in that game it's not hey it's orchid and um so whenever there's another person with otter in their name we all seem to like want to be friends with each other so like most of my friends in that game are all have otter for at some in some respect we're all friends so it's good yeah download osu play it it's fun that's it that's my shout out okay circle clicky game circle clicky game it's it's a rhythm game it's fun i mean they have other like iterations they have like a taiko drum game and a they have like a little like piano slash like kind of like a dance dance revolution type game but it's a circle clicky game it's fun it's a good time i could play it for like 10 hours at a time <laughs> seriously i'm not even kidding <laughs> oh god oh okay i have special things to go through uh, the audio for this episode was produced by Rendell Zevas. Thank you so much, Rendell. You can find him at Rendell Zevas on Twitter. The artwork for this episode is courtesy of, of Volshock Berserker. You can find him at Volshock B on Twitter. 
The music in this episode is copyrighted Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into the Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They are the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you so much, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. We love you. Uh, reminders, you can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can find me at Hey It's Orchid. You can find Elemis at I underscore am underscore Elemis. You can leave us an email if Twitter is not long enough uh, at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you can leave reviews except Spotify. You can also join our Discord. There is an invite to our Discord in the description for this episode. Say goodbye. 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 Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Otters. Oh, God, are you going to do that every episode now? No, just this one. You're still here. It's over. Go listen to something else. Oh, I see. You're expecting Verindel to come out with some ridiculous impression of either me or Varix or Callus saying something about wanting to purchase eyelashes or their long flowing locks. Well, there is nothing this week, and frankly, Elemist and Orchid did amazing this week, so there are no outtakes for you to listen to either. Go. Go.